You are listening to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. Our vision is to treasure Christ above all else and live for more. So, uh, yeah, as, uh, as Ovi mentioned, uh, we're going to be in, uh, in Malachi, um, and uh, we're, we're going to start chapter 2 today. And uh, if, you, if you haven't been with us, uh, I'll go ahead and kind of uh, prep you guys on, on Malachi. Uh, just like Ovi said, we're, we're going through Malachi, but the intention is uh, the Old Testament ends with a question mark, just a, a huge question mark. Uh, and you're kind of left wondering, like, how? What, like, what, what happens next, right? Uh, and then the very next book after uh, Malachi is, uh, is Matthew, and, that, and Matthew starts with the birth of Christ. Um, so we get, we get a resolution to that question mark. Um, so again, that's, that's why we're going through Malachi, and again, uh, kind of where, where Malachi sits uh, in, in history is, uh, is you, you have to remember, and, and Flo did a great job of kind of spelling this out at the beginning of the, of the series when he kind of introed the topic, uh, is, is Malachi, you have to remember, uh, Israel had been exiled, right? Uh, and, and now the Persians came in, and uh, the Persians in the ancient realm, they were kind of known as, as liberators, right? Because they, they took all the displaced uh, countries that Babylon had taken over, and they sent them back home, right? And, uh, and so uh, Israel was, was one of those people, uh, so they were sent back uh, to kind of rebuild the temple, rebuild uh, Israel, and, uh, and so now they're back in the land. Uh, and it's kind of a heartbreaking story. If you want to know more about that, that's Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, they kind of spell out the whole, uh, the whole incident. Um, but a very small group of people actually do go back. So they, they, they've been exiled. Uh, they can't practice their sacrificial system. They can't uh, practice uh, kind of who it is that makes them uh, Jewish, uh, fundamentally uh, Hebrew. And, uh, and so now they're, they, get, they get the chance to come back, and a very small population actually goes back. And so now they're, they're actually doing all of their, they're practicing their festivals, they're practicing the sacrifices, they're doing all the things that make them fundamentally Jewish, uh, and then it, they haven't been doing it for long, and, uh, and God sends Malachi to remind them, you guys are still missing it. And it's, 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 this, it's this heartbreaking story. When, when, when the context is there, when you read through Malachi with that context of just, man, like, you, you guys remember why you were exiled in the first place? You remember what got us into that situation? You're doing the same exact thing. And so, and, and so God, throughout the book of Malachi, God's, God's kind of begging Israel, like, pay attention. Listen to what you're doing. Just, just focus on, on what it is that, that why you had to come back in the first place and why if you had never left, you wouldn't have to relearn these things. Because when they came back from, uh, from exile, they had to relearn uh, all, of these, uh, all of these sacrificial systems. Uh, Ezra kind of educated everyone uh, in that regard. And then uh, Raz, last week, uh, he kind of stepped us through how, how the priests were just, they, they were just, they were doing terrible sacrifices. And we'll, we'll kind of talk about that a little bit more. Um, but uh, but that, that context is, is very important. And, uh, and again, the way uh, Malachi kind of progresses is it, it kind of gets more narrow as it, as it goes uh, to a certain extent. So uh, Flo started with the intro, uh, just like a microscope. I want you to think about a microscope. You know how you, you can switch the lenses and you can zero in, right? Um, and so uh, Flo kind of looks at, uh, and so the, the first charge or the first thing is God says, uh, I loved you. And the first thing the nation of Israel says back to their God is, when did you love us? 
Again, it's, it's just this desperate situation of just like, what? what? Like, what? When, when did God love you? You're, you're back in the land right now. Do you remember where you are? Right? It's, it's, it's this backhanded uh, comment back to God of just, when did you love us? And then Flo did a great job of navigating through kind of like the hairiness of election language, right? But uh, he, he said, I, I chose you. I loved you. I didn't, I didn't choose Esau. I didn't choose any. I chose you. I love you. And then, and then again, he, he kind of, then he progresses into um, Raz. He kind of switched the, uh, the microscope so we got a little bit more narrow. And he started looking at the sacrifices. Um, and so this, uh, this critique was looking at uh, the priests and the nation because it takes two to do the sacrifice. Someone has to bring the sacrifice and then the priest has to offer the sacrifice, right? And so Raz was looking at, uh, at the sacrifices that were brought and then also the priests uh, actually doing the sacrifice. Uh, and so it was criticizing, so the, the first lens was criticizing the nation and then the second lens was the priests and, uh, and the people offering the sacrifice, uh, and then this week, we're going to switch a little bit more specifically to specifically the priests. We're gonna, he's, God's going to zero in on just the priests uh, and, uh, and talk to them. And so uh, as we, as we kind of zero in on that, uh, on that portion of Malachi, and again, that's going to be Malachi 2, 1 through 9, uh, we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and, uh, and read through it, uh, and then we'll pray, and then, uh, and then we'll start digging into, uh, into the passage. Uh, but I want, I want that, that context is very important to this passage. So the context of they're, they're, they're back in the land and they're already messing up. Uh, and God has already prefaced the whole conversation about election because election does come back up. Uh, and, uh, and he's zeroing in on not just the priests and the people, but just the priests now. So uh, keep that in mind uh, as, we, uh, as we read through this. So I'll go ahead and read the passage, and like I said, we'll go ahead and uh, open up in prayer. So Malachi 2, 1. And now this commandment is for you, the priests. If you do not listen, if you do not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of armies, then I will send you a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings, and indeed I have cursed them already, because you are not taking it to heart. Behold, I am going to rebuke your descendants, and I will spread dung on your faces and dung on your feasts, and you will be taken away with it. Then you will know that I have sent this commandment to you, so that my covenant may continue with Levi, says the Lord of armies. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him as an object of reverence, so he revered me and was in awe of my name. True instruction was on his mouth, and injustice was not found in his lips. And he walked with me in peace and justice, and he turned many back from wrongdoing. From the lips of the priest should maintain knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of armies. But as for you, you have turned aside uh, from the way, and you have, cursed, you have caused many to stumble by the instruction. You have ruined the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of armies. So I also have made you despised and of low reputation in view of all the people, since you are not keeping my ways, but you are showing partiality in the instruction. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Dear God, I just... Uh, 
I just thank you for this opportunity for us to, uh, to get together and, uh, and just dig into your word. Um, a lot of times these, uh, these passages can, uh, can, can weigh very heavy, and, um, and yet with, uh, with a lot of judgment passages comes so much grace uh, and redemption, and I just, I just want to ask uh, for your help in, uh, in kind of making that very clear. And that we can, uh, we can all see you better and understand you better through this passage and, uh, and through our time together. I just thank you for everything that you've given us. But most importantly, I, just, I thank you for your son and, uh, and just the illumination on this passage that we, we can come to uh, because of our Lord, because of our Christ. Uh, you, didn't, uh, you didn't leave us in this situation where uh, we, we had to guess. We didn't have to stay in the question mark, but you've given us uh, a way out. You've given us a Messiah. And I just thank you for that. Please make yourself clear uh, through this passage and, um, and just honor our, our time as we, as we focus on you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Sorry, I should probably start a timer so I don't go too long. So uh, this passage uh, does a lot of obviously discussing the priests, and, uh, and it talks about, um, I'm going to curse your blessings, um, and I'm going to send the curse, seeming to indicate that the priest should expect, like, hey, you, you know that this is coming. Um, and, uh, and also there's some conversation about Levi, um, and, uh, and that does get a little confusing because the priests were Levites. So uh, we're, we're going to dig into uh, all that. So this, this passage does have a, a lot of, to clarify. Uh, but in order for us to clarify a lot of that, I want us to go back to uh, Deuteronomy. So that's Deuteronomy 33. And, um, and in this passage, give it a little bit of context, Israel's ju- they just wandered through the desert uh, for 40 years. Uh, and now they're about to enter into, uh, into Israel. Uh, Moses is right about to die. And, uh, and so he's addressing all, all the tribes of Israel. Uh, and his intention is he's, he's reminding them who they are, what they do, and, uh, and their future, uh, so long as they keep the covenant, right? This is, this is who you are. Don't ever forget who you are. This is what you do as a tribe. This is what you offer the rest of the nation. Uh, this is how you worship your God. Uh, and then also, this is who you are uh, in the blessing, right? Uh, and so he's, he's encouraging all these, uh, all these tribes uh, and then he gets to uh, Levi. So this passage is going to help kind of illuminate. There are other passages in which uh, Levi gets a blessing or he's charged with certain responsibilities, but this one uh, kind of cinches it uh, kind of nice and neat for us. So uh, that's why I picked Deuteronomy. So that's the context. Uh, so they're just about to go into the land. Moses is reminding the Levites of who they are. Uh, also keep in mind that Moses was a Levite. And so there's, there's a sense of pride in, in kind of giving this, right? He's, he's speaking to his kin, right? Um, and so, uh, keep that in mind as, uh, as, we, as we read through this, uh, and it, it's going to become very, very clear uh, as, we, as we go. Um, so, but, uh, but Moses does three things. Uh, first of all, he, does, uh, he reminds Levi who they are and what they do, uh, and then the blessing that's to come. So, uh, again, that's who they are, what they do, and, uh, and the blessing to come. And this, uh, this isn't that unusual. We do this all the time. We introduce each other, and we're just like, oh, what do you do? Like, as if that's who you are, right? 
So uh, very, very much uh, the same thing. It's, it's what the Levites do is kind of uh, their identity is very much wrapped up in that. So let's go ahead and read. That's Deuteronomy uh, 33, 8 through 11, and it should be on the screen. It says, Let your Thurum and your Urum belong to godly men, whom you tested at Massa, with whom you contended at the waters of Mirabah, who said to his father and his mother, I did not consider them, and did not acknowledge his brothers, nor did he regard his own sons, for they kept your word and complied with your covenant. So let's, uh, let's just stop there for a, for a second. Uh, this, this might sound like a criticism, but it's, it's not, right? Uh, what, uh, what Moses is reminding them of is this, this, is, this is, it's in your blood, right? It's, it's in your blood to be so focused, so laser focused, so dedicated to the work of God that you, your, your regard for your fathers and your brothers and your children looks like disregard. You're, you're so concerned with doing the work of God. This, this is what it's like to be a Levi. Right? This, this is what Levites do. Is we, we don't care what the rest of the world's doing. We don't care what the rest of the world wants us to do. All of that is disregarded because the only thing that we regard is serving God. That's, that's, it's in our blood. That's what it's like to be a Levite. Remember, don't ever forget, this, this is what makes us Levites. Uh, in uh, Joshua 24, so it's, it's, it's out of context. I don't want you guys thinking um, it's, this happened before, but uh, Joshua, uh, later in, uh, in the chronology, um, what I want you to think is, uh, is that, that passage in Joshua 24 uh, where Joshua is addressing the nation and he says, um, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't care what you guys are going to do. I'm going to serve the Lord and same with us. That's, that's kind of what, what, what Moses is reminding uh, the Levites of. That's who we are, right? We don't regard what they're doing. We don't care what other people want us to do. We don't bend to the will of other people. We bend to the will of God and God alone. And so, and, and again, like there, there's a sense of pride. Like, like Moses, he's like, we've, we've been there. Remember when they contended with us at Mirabah? Remember when they grumbled at us? Remember when, when we had to fight against the people that wanted us to bend and concede and kind of wink at sin? Remember, and we just, we wouldn't bend. That's who we are. So there's very much a sense of pride, and he's reminding the Levites, don't bend. It's, it's, it, you're fundamentally, uh, it's, it's fundamentally uh, non-Levitical for you to bend to sin, to bend to the will of other people. We only serve God. So in verse 10, uh, that's when he reminds the Levites, this, so this is who you are, and then in verse 10 he says, this is what we do. Uh, and he says, and they will teach your ordinances to Jacob and your law to Israel, and they shall put incense before you and the whole burnt offering on your altar. And so this, this, is, this is fundamentally the job of the Levites. This is, this is what we do. And so um, uh, the first, first thing, first and foremost, this is the job of a Levite is to instruct. Right? We, we tell Israel, we remind Israel, this is the law. This, this is why we, we leave um, uh, some, some grain unharvested so that we can take care of our poor and our widow and our orphans. This is why we offer the sacrifices because we're broken people and we need to, uh, we need to atone for sin. This is why we Shabbat so that uh, we participate in the rest of God. It's, this is the job of the Levite is to instruct and to remind Israel of who, not only who God is, but more importantly, who you are. 
It's hard to worship a God if you don't know who he is, but even if you do kind of have a faint glimmer of hope of who he is, if you think that you are unequal with God, you won't worship properly. This is the job of a Levite, is to instruct and to remind Israel, this is who God is and this is who you are. And teach Israel the law, teach Israel the ordinances, teach Israel about who God is. So first and foremost, that's the first job of the priest. The second job is, uh, is it says, to put incense before you. Uh, this was a practice as, as they were burning incense, they would actually pray uh, intercessory prayers on behalf of Israel. This is where the priests and the Levites, they would actually, uh, they would actually intercede and they would, they would talk to God on behalf of Israel. They would ask God, please protect us, please prosper us, please make sure that we don't fall into sin um, and, uh, and, and make our name great uh, for your sake. This, this is where they would burn offering and pray and intercede on behalf of Israel. So second, that was a second job. And so the first job was to instruct. The second job was to offer prayers and incense on behalf of Israel. And then the third job was to offer burnt offerings. Uh, and this was the job of atonement, right? And so as the Levites, as they would offer these sacrifices, these sacrifices, the blood of the lamb was meant to atone for the sins of Israel. But the Levites couldn't really do that if they were dirty themselves. They can't cleanse the people. And so they had to offer their own sacrifices before they could atone for the sins. And it was just, it's this whole process, right? And so this was the, the third job, is that they, they were responsible for, for contending with God the sins of the nation. Right? And so they would, they would offer these sacrifices. So those are the three primary jobs, and Moses is reminding them, this is what it's like to be a Levite, is your job is dedicated to serving the people, serving Israel, and, and helping Israel commune with a holy God. So their, their whole identity is wrapped up in this, and then Moses goes on to give them their blessing, and that's in verse 11. He says, Lord, bless his strength. And accept the work of his hands and smash the hips of those who rise up against him and those who hate him and those um, so that they do not rise up again. So what, uh, what this blessing is is, uh, is, is kind of twofold. Uh, the first part of that blessing is that everything that Levi does is acceptable to God. Everything that they do in their instruction, so in how they give instruction, is acceptable and pure and just. Uh, and then also in their prayers and how they intercede is acceptable to God, but also uh, probably most importantly is the sacrifice that they give is always going to be acceptable, right? This is, this is what it's like to be a Levite, is that everything you do is pure and just before God. It's exactly how God intended it to be. That's the blessing. And then the second half of that is that when anyone stands up to oppose them, when anyone tries to bend Levi, when anyone tries to get Levi to wink at sin or pretend like it's not there, uh, God's going to crush their hips. Not Levi, God's going to crush their hips. And he's not going to eliminate them, but he's going to crush their hips so that they must sit before Levi and listen. They must be subjugated to his instructions, right? And so this is, this is the blessing of Levi, is that as long as they're, as long as they're Levites, this should be, uh, this should be what's, uh, what's expected. Is that people listen to Levi, they listen to the instruction, and if they don't, if they fight, just like Mirabah uh, or just like Massa, that God's going to subjugate them so that they must listen 
to Levi. They must listen to the priest. They must listen to those instructions. So all of this kind of validates so much of what we just went through uh, in, uh, in Malachi 2. Uh, and so that, that adds so much context. So we're actually going to go back through uh, Malachi, that passage, and we're going to kind of break it up into three major chunks. And as we go, I want you to keep Deuteronomy 33 in mind because, uh, uh, like I said, it just adds uh, a lot more clarity uh, to, uh, to what we're uh, trying to get at. So Malachi 2 uh, and we'll, uh, we'll just go through the first chunk, and it says, And now this commandment is for you, the priests. If you do not listen, and if you do not take it to heart to honor my name, says the Lord of armies, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. And indeed, I have cursed them already, because you are not taking it to heart. Behold, I am going to rebuke your descendants and I will spread dung on your faces and dung on your feasts and you will be taken away with it. And so what God, first of all, he starts this whole conversation off with this conditional statement of if you do not listen. And again, a Levite, from his perspective, is no, 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 people listen to me. I don't listen. And this, this is, and so God's setting this up of, no, 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 you must listen. You must take it to heart. And then he goes on to say, I'm going to reverse the blessings. I'm going to curse the blessings that you were given. And again, those, those, those blessings were twofold. It was everything you do is acceptable before God, but Raz just talked about uh, last week how the sacrifices that they were given were abhorrent. They were rejected by God. In that passage, God even says, oh, oh, that at least one of you would shut the gates. God's almost, he's, he almost, it's, he's saying, man, if you just at least stopped, that would be better for you. Raz talked about how he, they turned the, the, the temple into a dumpster. Uh, they were offering lame and broken and diseased animals that they had to kill anyways. And so they're just like, okay, well, God will take care of them. And again, there's like this backhanded comment of God saying, you've defiled uh, my, you've diseased my altar. Uh, and their response back to him was, when did we disease you? Again, kind of this backhanded, almost like, uh, what do you care? You're not eating this lamb. It's not going to disease you. It doesn't do anything for you. And that's when God kind of explains, no, 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 the sacrifice isn't, it, it, it is for me to bring me honor, but it's also for you to recognize, for, for you to recognize who you are. The sacrifice is to teach you that you're broken before a holy God. When you don't take the sacrifice seriously, you don't take me seriously. And what, what God's getting at is, oh, that someone would shut the gate. Uh, what he's talking about is, is, Raz was talking about a dumpster fire, uh, and the priests are just throwing barrels of gasoline in there, just like, oh, one of these will fix it, right? And God's just like, just, just stop. Just stop. And so this, this blessing has already been reversed in that uh, everything that Levi does is acceptable to God, but that's already been undone. And, and the next part of that is that anyone that rises up against Levi is going to be crushed at the hip and subjugated to his instructions. 
But in that, in that first conditional statement of if you do not listen, this is God reversing that part of the blessing where it's, I'm going to crush the hips of Levi and they will listen to me. What happens when the one that raises up against Levi is God himself? This is a reversal of the blessing. Is that Levi will be subjugated. Levi must listen and be instructed. And so God, God he's, he's spelling that out, but also there's this, there's this glimmer of hope of if you don't listen. It's a conditional statement, right? There's, there's still hope here. And we'll, we'll kind of get into that a little bit later. Um, but just uh, keep that in mind. This, this is still conditional. Though the cursing is already happening, he says, I've already cursed your blessings. Um, there's still a, a glimmer of hope uh, that this, is, uh, this can still be undone. And this is even seen in, I will rebuke your descendants. Uh, that sounds, uh, sounds like a desperate situation, but uh, this rebuke is also kind of like, I will stop. I will stop your descendants. Almost indicating that, uh, listen, you, you guys are just going to keep doing this, but at least I'll stop your kids. Right? There's, there's, there's this glimmer of hope of just, yes, your judgment is that I'm going to rebuke your descendants, I'm going to stop them from doing what you're doing, uh, but at least they're going to stop. Oh, that one of you would shut the gates, I'll make one of them shut the gates. At least they'll stop. And then he goes on to this, uh, to this language of, uh, and I will, spread, I will spread dung on your faces and dung on your feasts. Uh, this word dung is actually, uh, literally, it's the, it's the offal parts of the, uh, of the animal. Uh, if you guys have ever like, killed a deer or anything, uh, the first thing you do is you gut it, right? You get all the, all, the, all the fecal matter and the bile and everything that can taint the meat. Uh, you get that out of the deer as fast as possible because you don't want the, the meat to come in contact with that. So that's the that's first thing you do, and, and they would have understood this. Um, and uh, and that's, that's the language that God's using is, I'm going to spread the offal on your feasts and on your face. And again, going back to last week, what, what Raz was talking about is they fed or they offered um, as a sacrifice diseased and lame lambs. And he's saying, you're right, I don't eat this, but I'll make you eat it. And he's, he's explaining that you, in your feasts, there's going to be awful parts all in your feasts, and you will just bury your face in it and just eat the feast without even recognizing that there's still fecal matter in it. They're still awful. You're eating the, the unclean parts of the animal and you don't even recognize it. You don't even recognize how unclean you are, how unclean your feasts are. And what do you do with the awful? You throw it out. And that's what he's saying is, is you will be thrown out, you will be taken out with it. When I clean my temple, when I clean up after your mess and we throw out the awful parts, you're going with it. Because it's in you, it's on you, it's before you, and God will clean uh, his, uh, his temple. He will clean his people. And so this, this is the reversal of, uh, of all the blessings that were given to Levi. Uh, and then he goes on into, into the next section, and that starts in uh, verse 4. He says, Then you will know that I have sent this commandment to you, so that my covenant may continue with Levi. Let's stop there. 
Because this does, like I mentioned earlier, this does get a little confusing because he was just talking to the priests. And he's saying, I'm going to remove this. I'm going to remove all the blessings from the priests. But I'm doing this so that I can continue my covenant with Levi. But wait, he's talking to Levites, right? And this is where that election language actually comes back into play. It's that God is actually differentiating between the tribe of Levi, his Levites, and these priests that are offering awful parts on the sacrifice. This, this is a very specific charge of, no, 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 I chose Levi. I don't know who you guys are. You guys are just some priests. You might genetically be of the line of Levi, but I only deal with Levites, not you priests. This, this is a very, very stark, and this is, this is kind of a dire situation, right? So now the priests are, are begging this question, wait, I, I, I thought that, the, I thought the, the blessing was for us. He's saying, no, 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 the blessing's for Levi. I don't know who you are. And again, the, the, this context of election is that I chose my people. And there might be more involved than just genetics. And so, uh, and then he goes on to explain who his Levites are. He says in verse 5, My covenant with him was one of life and peace. And I gave, I gave to him an object of reverence so that he revered me and was in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth and injustice was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and justice and he turned back many from wrongdoing. From the lips of a priest should maintain knowledge and people should seek instruction from his mouth for he is the messenger of the Lord of armies. Just like Moses, when he was addressing the Levites, the first thing he did is he reminded them who they were. And here in Malachi, God is reminding the priests who Levites are. If you were truly a Levite, this is what you would look like. This is what Levites do. They walk in justice. They instruct the people. They revere my name. Ask yourself, do you do that? And if the answer is no, then you're not one of my Levites. I didn't choose this people. I chose Levi. And so he, he, he kind of spells this out in a very specific way, uh, in, in specifically uh, addressing uh, that uh, what he gave him was life and peace. He also gave them uh, reverence and awe of his name. That's, that's how they responded to him. Uh, the instruction of his mouth was uh, uh, there was no injustice found. And people sought out the priests for this instruction. This is what it looks like to be a, a Levite. Th these are my people. It's, it's not people that bend to the will of, ev of everyone else. Just like what Moses reminded the Levites of. We didn't care what they did at Massa or Meribah. We didn't care that they were asking us to bend. They didn't, we didn't care that they were asking us to wink at sin. That's what Levites do. And so when these people come to you with lame and broken and plagued lambs and you, and you kind of wink at sin or you just go along with it or you just gladly take the bribes and just sacrifice the animal anyways, that's not a Levite. I don't know who you are. 
And so we, he's, he's charging them with this, with, this, uh, with this opportunity to recognize that though you might genetically be Levite, you are not behaving like it. And again, there's this glimmer of hope because you have to keep in mind the context. This whole thing started off with that conditional statement. Perhaps some of these guys are still some of his chosen. Maybe they can come back. Maybe they can go back to what it is to be a Levite. Maybe some of these guys can actually continue on uh, in doing what Levites should do. Also, he, he makes this very, uh, he, he uses this word injustice over and over. And he reminds them, this, this is what Levites are concerned with, is they're concerned with justice. You can almost think back to, uh, back to the story of Dina, uh, where, uh, where she, was, uh, she was actually raped. Uh, and then uh, the brothers, uh, Dina's brothers, uh, they, were, they were obviously pretty upset about this. Uh, but Jacob, he decided to... Uh, kind of not do anything about it. Uh, he was just going to move on. Um, but there were two brothers that couldn't, they couldn't deal. They just couldn't deal. And that was Simeon and Levi. Levi was so, uh, he was so appalled by the injustice. He had to do something. He couldn't let it go. And so him and his brother, they went in, they, they went to war over this. Now, the way that they did it wasn't great, so... That's a whole other issue. But the fact of the matter is, uh, they, Levi could not endure injustice. He couldn't deal with it. This is what it's like to be a Levite. Injustice is abhorrent to you. And you have to do something about it. You have to. You can't let it go. Now, there's some indication that Simeon did it just because he was looking for a fight. Uh, but Levi, he was, he, was, he was very much motivated by justice. This is what, and, and God's reminding them, this is what it's like to be a Levite. You can't abide by injustice. You can't deal with this. And yet you guys are taking bribes and sacrificing false anim, or, uh, plagued animals and lame lambs uh, to me. That's not what a Levite is. I don't know who you are. And so he's, he's reminding them um, that uh, this, is, this is what a Levite is. A Levite is consumed with doing my work, just like what Moses said. You guys shouldn't care what everyone else is doing or what other people want you to do. You serve me. That's what a Levite is. And you do that by giving proper instructions. You do that by offering uh, intercessory prayer uh, and incense. And you do that by uh, the sacrifices. And you do that to, uh, to enact God's justice with his people. So in the last portion of this text, God kind of gives them the, the final thrust of what's going to become of them. And so in verse 8, it says, but as for you, again, he just said, people come to the priests looking for instructions. They give it justly. He says, but as for you, you have turned aside from the way and you have caused many to stumble by instruction. You have ruined the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of armies. So I also have made you despised and of low reputation in the view of all the people, since you are not keeping my ways, but are showing partiality in the instruction. Again, back to the reversal of the curse, or reversal of the blessings, um, and, uh, and the cursing of those blessings. 
uh, God is indicating to them, he is now going to crush the hips of the priests and they will be subjugated. They will be of low reputation. They will be underneath the rest of the people. And this is all motivated by the fact that they're dealing, uh, they're showing partiality to the instruction. Giving only partly, instru- partly instructing some people, partly instructing other people, maybe winking at sin, taking bribes, only doing things halfway, telling God, oh, what's it matter? It doesn't affect you at all. You're not eating this plagued lamb. Like this is, this is their attitude. And he's saying, if you want to play this game, then expect a reversal of the blessing. Because my Levites act like this, but as for you, again, indicating that there seems to be a difference between the Levites and these priests. He says, as for you, you have turned aside from the way and you have caused other people to stumble. You instruct people on going along the way of the Lord. You instruct people on how to operate the way that they are. Again, the the sacrifice, yes, is to honor God, but it's also for the people so that they can operate in the way that they were built to operate, and that's worship God. And so the priests are instructing them on how to not walk in the way of the Lord. That creates contention, that creates uh, hopelessness, uh, and that creates all sorts of issues. And God is charging them with that, is that not only do you not instruct properly, and people don't seek out your instruction anymore, but when they do, you actually lead them astray. And so it's because of this. It's because you've ruined the covenant of Levi. It's because you are some other priest. You're not my people. You're not my Levites. I'm going to crush you with the hip. I'm going to subjugate you. You will be of low reputation among all the people. And that's exactly what happened. Nobody considered the priests anymore because they could just be bought off. Who listens to that guy anymore? When you know someone just kind of bends uh, to your will, do you really take their criticisms seriously? I mean, this is the contention of parenting, right? So you want to give your kids grace, but holy smokes, you give them just a little bit. You're just like, oh, cool. I can get away with more, right? And that, that's exactly what's happening with the priests is, oh, like, I, just bought, I just paid them off last time. Clearly, God doesn't care about my sin. The priest doesn't. And so no one respected the priesthood. No one looked to them for instruction. No one took them seriously. No one listened to anything that they had to say. They were of low reputation in view of all the people. So, definitely a desperate situation, but again, there's, there's this hope in there. There's this glimmer of hope. Again, just keep in mind that, uh, that if statement, if you listen, if you take it to heart and honor my name. There's still hope there, right? And that, that hope is, uh, is very important, and I want us to keep, in, uh, keep that in mind as God is dealing with this people that came back out of the land. And again, this, like, you're so close, right? You came back, you just couldn't follow through. So I want us to, uh, to kind of explore some application out of this. Um, and it does get a little tricky uh, because it begs this question, uh, well, God specifically, he, the microscope zeroed in specifically on the priests, um, and it begs the question, well, are we priests? Mm. Yes and no. So uh, we're going to look at 1 Peter 2, 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. And uh, I really wish we could have gone through the, like, basically the whole chapter, but um, 
Yeah, we'll, we'll just kind of stay right here. So 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. And you, have not, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. If you've got been, uh, been with us at D groups, we've been going through Hosea, that should sound familiar because that's actually plucked right out of Hosea. So Peter's quoting Hosea here. And again, the, the election language is not on, on accident. It's not something that he just put in there. It's very specific because God chose his priesthood. It, they were elected. They were chosen. He chose Levi. And again, Peter's highlighting that is you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. So this question of can we actually look at Malachi and actually glean anything? Are we priests? Yes, we're a royal priesthood, uh, but we are not Levitical priests. And that distinction needs to be made is that can we learn anything from Second Malachi? Are we priests? You are not Levitical priests. But we are priests of our high priest. We work in his name. We are priests, we are royal priests of Christ, of God most high. That's what we do. So yes, there's, there is a lot that we can uh, glean from this passage. And there's, there's three points that I want us to, uh, to understand. And, uh, and we'll, we'll kind of go back to uh, the Second Peter passage um, a little bit more. We'll dig into that a little bit more. But there's three points. Uh, but each of these points, uh, there's going to be two perspectives on this. Okay? So I, I want to highlight that because uh, not only did priests do things for Israel, but they also had to do things for themselves in order to do things for Israel. Just like the sacrifices. They had to sacrifice for themselves and then sacrifice for other people. In order for them to intercede for God, they had to cleanse for their own sins and then pray to God. Right? Just like God said here, in order for them to instruct, they had to listen. So there's two different perspectives, and the job of a priest is always this, this dichotomy of what you have to do in order to do. So as we go through these, uh, these three application points, I want us to uh, keep in mind those two different perspectives. So the first point is learn to listen to proper instruction. So the first point is learn to listen to proper instruction. And again, this does uh, a couple different things. Uh, the first thing is we learn to listen to proper instruction so we can identify false instruction or false teachings. And we, we listen to proper instruction, um, and I, I don't want us thinking like, oh, we just need to flip open our Bible and just kind of like, I don't know, get our 10 minutes of reading in and then call it good. That's, that's amazing, right? And I, I don't want to uh, uh, kind of belittle that. We do need to be in the Word. We need to be uh, viewing the Scripture as our highest authority. It's one of our main points of what it is to belong to Summit, uh, is that Scripture is our highest authority. However, there's community involved in that. So we, we, we uh, listen to proper instruction, but yes, digging into the Word, but also digging into the Word in community. We do this with each other. 
And that's the other part is we listen to proper instruction so that we can give proper instruction. So we do this for ourselves and not just to make ourselves better or self-help or whatever we have to do or call it so that we feel better about it. But we do this so that we can help other people. And not just other people, we help each other with this. That's what D-groups is, right? We dig into the Word uh, and we, we try to find, find proper instruction and then we instruct each other on this. But also when we go to an outside world and we talk to unbelievers, we can give proper instructions to them. Uh, this doesn't mean that we should be uh, expecting an unsaved world to act like Christians. That has also gone very wrong for us in the past, right? Unsaved people should act like unsaved people because they're unsaved people, right? So uh, what this doesn't mean is that Christians should go around and start telling people that they need to act like Christians. What we should be doing is going around telling and instructing them on the redemption that Christ has offered us. That's what we instruct other people on. We instruct an unsaved world on the gospel. And so we, we, we do this with each other. We do this with an outside world. We do it so that we can escape false teachings and false instructions ourselves, but also we can prevent other people from, uh, from falling prey to them as well. So this, this, is, this is massive, is that uh, in, in our listening to proper instruction, we need to make sure that we're, yes, taking care of ourselves, but also in the same way, taking care of each other. The second point that I want us to, uh, to focus in on is learn to listen to correction. Learn to listen to correction. And again, this has uh, two different perspectives. The first perspective is we need to learn to listen to correction so that we can be reverent of his name. So often in an unsaved world, this is, this is very normal, is that when we get corrected, we actually learn to resent the one offering correction. But we're called to something bigger than that. Correction actually endears our hearts to our God. It's a part of our redemption. It's called sanctification. It's this process that God moves us, he shapes us into this image of Christ while we're still on earth, while we're still broken now. And this, this listening to correction, focusing on our correction, uh, and this correction doesn't have to be like this catastrophic moment in your life. It could be as simple as going to D groups and listening to proper instruction and just recognizing your brokenness. Listen to that. Lean into that. I had a friend that was going through a, a pretty difficult time in his, uh, in his marriage. Um, he had kind of screwed up in some ways, and, uh, and he's just like, what do I do? And I said, lean in. That's what you do. It's, it's in these moments when you hurt someone else, this is when you lean in and you actually learn what God feels. This is when you lean in and you actually see yourself more clearly. This didn't come out of nowhere. This was always in you. It hurts. Lean in. It's a unique opportunity to listen to correction. And it hurts. But it doesn't hurt forever. So just lean in while you can because it will go away. Learn as much as you can now. And so when we, when we do this, we, when we lean into correction, when we listen to our correction, we learn to revere God's name. Just like in the sacrifice, the sacrifice, is it for God to eat this lamb? No, it's for the people to recognize who God is and who they are. 
And so we learn to revere his name when we listen to correction. And the second aspect is that we, when we learn to listen to correction, uh, to correction so that we can model redemption. And I, I, th- I think the church has, has historically done a, a, a poor job of this, especially when we go to, into an outside world. Um, I, I teach apologetics at a, at a high school, and, uh, and what I teach my kids is far and away the most common criticism of Christianity. It's not the best argument. Uh, it's not even a well-formed argument. It's highly emotional, but far and away the biggest criticism is that I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. Or I don't want to be a Christian because they're just as bad as the rest of us. If not, they're worse. And the answer to that is, yup. <laughs> That's the resolution to this. And again, we, we, need to, we, need to be, we need to listen to correction so that we can educate, we can instruct an unsaved world that like, yeah, we're, we're, I'm still broken. Sanctification's happening. Progression is happening. But I'm not fixed. And that's on purpose. It's almost almost as if God wants to reach an unsaved world through our weakness. It's almost as if our brokenness actually helps us relate to a broken world. And so I, I think the church needs to be more honest. We need to listen to correction so that we can model redemption to an unsaved world and model redemption to each other. We just talk about, yeah, I'm broken, but I'm getting better. Listen to the progress I made. Listen to what the Holy Spirit's doing in my life. And there's this weird superiority complex that happens in church where we have Jesus and it's us against them and I'm better because I have Jesus. And yes, Jesus is better, but he, he didn't, you're not glorified yet. And that's on purpose. Be honest about that. This isn't this superiority complex. We look at an unsaved world and we should see potential brothers and sisters, Right? We shouldn't see people that are less than us. That's what the priests did. They looked at an opportunity. They looked at, hey, maybe I can get some money out of this. Hey, maybe I can look more superior. Maybe I can... That's, that's not our job. As royal priests, we need to learn to listen to correction so that we can model redemption. And lastly... We need to learn to listen so that we can take it to heart. Uh, this, uh, this take it to heart kind of language um, has absolutely been hijacked by kind of culture. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd be shocked, just absolutely shocked, if you could, uh, if you could show me a, um, a romance movie or a rom-com uh, where it, there wasn't a, a line in the script that said, follow your heart. Okay. This, this, is just, this has been hijacked and it, it means nothing to us anymore. So uh, I kind of want to uh, zero in on that. What is this uh, to take it to heart? Um, the heart, this word in the Hebrew, is, uh, it gets translated a lot of different ways. But at its crux, uh, it's, it's the thing that moves the thing it belongs to. Okay, So that shouldn't make sense. So let's kind of expand that a little bit. So uh, this, this has been translated uh, in, uh, in certain texts of the heart of a nation. Uh, and that would actually point to like a king um, or the heart of a movement. Um, this, uh, this has actually been uh, even translated as, uh, as comfort uh, to a broken person. And again, that, that would make sense because what motivates a broken individual? Broken people want comfort. 
That's the heart of a broken person. It's comfort. The thing that motivates us. It's the thing, it's the engine in the car. It's whatever makes you go. It's whatever, whatever motivates you. It's your intentions. Uh, it's also translated uh, as, uh, as the, the thing that motivates your intellect or your mind. Right? That's why it's sometimes translated as mind. This, it's, it's the thing inside of you that makes you go. It's the thing that all you can do is go. All you can do is think and do this thing. And I think we can learn that from Levi. We can learn that from Malachi when God is charging these priests because they are not Levites. It's he's, he's encouraging them to take it to heart. And we can too as royal priests. What we take to heart is Christ the thing that motivates us, the thing inside of us that's moving us forward, the thing that all we want to talk about is Christ. Just like Moses when he's addressing the Levites and he says, all you want to do is serve the Lord. I don't care what else everyone else is doing. I don't care what anyone wants me to do. I don't care what these guys are doing. I'm going to serve the Lord. And as royal priests, what if we took that to heart? What if Christ was our heart? I don't care what they're doing. I don't care what they want me to do. I don't care about any of that. All I want is more Christ. And we communicate that to an unsaved world. We do that in our listening to correction and we communicate all I want to do is talk about Jesus. All I want to do is, is tell you about my redemption uh, and, the, and the sacrifice that Christ gave to us. All I want to do is help you move out of this, um, how does uh, Second Peter put it, uh, out of darkness and into his marvelous light. If all you want to do as a holy priest or a royal priest is to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you, this, this is what it means to take it to heart. It's, it's this thing all you want to do. It's your motivation. It's who you are. It's in your blood. Just like what, Le- what Moses was talking to the Levites. It's who you are. And as royal priests, uh, when we listen to this so that we can take it to heart, we listen to proper instructions. We listen to our corrections so that we can take it to heart. And so as we move, as we're sanctified, all we want more of is more Christ, more Christ, more Christ. So that, that's what we can take out of this passage. Is, and, and I want us to focus on those, on those three things. And that, again, is just learn to listen to proper instruction. If you don't have people that are properly instructing you, come to D groups. We don't have all the answers, but we'll kind of fumble through. And then learn to listen to correction. When God is correcting you, when he's moving you into something, uh, listen to that, pay attention, lean in. And you learn to listen so that we can take it to heart. Let's go ahead and pray. Thanks for tuning in to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. We hope this teaching has encouraged you and helps you live for more.